Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 661. Science Faction, fighting whales and curing AIDS. That sounds like a fighting whales. That sounds like uh, I mean, not to not to pigeonhole the people. That sounds like a Nova Scotian like college team. Oh yes. yeah, we're the Nova Scotian fighting whalesy. Yes, or Icelandic people, but it's actually like whale fighters. Like they're the, they're the ones killing like the Faroe Islanders and the people who are actually like committing those giant whale genocides once a year. Who knows more about whales and like fighting whales and what a fighting whale is than the Inuit? You know, I don't yes. want to take their whale uh, ahabbing. A- it's cultural ahabbing. Yes. And they've been doing it for years. What I liked, I liked the idea that they would raise, it'd be more like cockfighting or dogfighting. Like you would raise an orca in captivity and then meet another person who has also raised an orca in captivity and fight the two against each other uh, until one of them wins for profit. Yeah, and like you could tell, like you know, like the, the, there's the belugas, the standard sorority girl whale, you know. Mm-hmm. But like you know, yeah. like a lot of, and I, and I hate to say it, but pigeonholed. Like I, I don't blame, I don't blame the species, but yeah, uh, orcas that breed has yeah. been used for a lot of evil in the past. Yeah, yeah, and I know a lot of people will argue, oh, you know, you can't blame those people up in you know the Pacific Northwest for for their whale fighting tendencies. <laughs> That's just part of their culture. But I say, if you have a shitty part of your culture, you can still be blamed for participating. Participating in it, you don't fuck with whales around white people. That's uh, yeah. That's you'll get every soccer mom out there <laughs> protesting at Japanese products, boycotting their Japanese vehicle. Oh, and if you want to see the thing that was protested by a bunch of white people on this show, I of course am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy, and with me as always is the person who has never been protested a day in his life, our comedian none other than Mr. Damian Mercado. Damian, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing great. You're right, uh, Bobby. I have never been protested, but Alex Jones, uh, who's regularly on this podcast seamlessly, that's true. Is and and what if I told you that the greatest trick I've ever pulled was that there never was an Alex Jones. He was all an AI algorithm. Mm. Uh, he was a voice that I did, and uh, with just the magic of green screen technology. And that's why that's you know like the end of Shawshank Redemption. Like like yes. there was like all the bank accounts were at a guy who didn't exist name. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah, like, yeah, I got, I lost, technically my alias lost a, a defamation case mm-hmm. in, in Sandy Hook. Yes, that mm. happened. But collect all you want from Alex Jones because the real genius. Do you just find like a homeless person to pose shirtless and then you Photoshop the bodies? Is that what's going on? I shaved an ape years okay. ago. And I've been using him. I taught it Coco like sign language and it got really into chili for some reason. <laughs> That's they just ad libs about that. It was the only I thing that could make him forget he was an ape, right? Like he, before that, before the chili, he was like, "Why are you shaving me? I'm, I just want to go back to my chimp family." You give him enough chili, he forgets he's an, actually a chimp. He yeah. thinks he's a long-term Texan who is fighting for all of our freedoms. <laughs> yeah, I, I could Manchurian candidate. He was his mind was putty. Like as soon as he did that, I saw in his eyes he he requiem for a dream. Yeah, like, you could yes. see it. Oh, and if you want to shave a chimp for profit, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for a whole extra episode of Science Faction every single week. 
So trust me when I say, Bobby, that you can't beat Alex Jones in a fight. I got a feeling well, that I didn't... he is going to go for your... What are the parameters of this fight? Do I do I get a, a firearm? I mean, because I chimps are not as good at things like throwing or or you know dexterity of firearm use or something. Is this a no weapons fight? Can I plan for the uh, fight? Y- y- you're allowed to have a weapon, but okay. um, it's 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 a scramble to a top of a tree to get it. Like mm. that's like like the uh, just to be fair, both of you are on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like the pistol is yes. is on the is uh, is like on the third branch up. Uh-huh. And you and this chimpanzee are gonna fight for it. Hmm. Can I? <laughs> can I? As he's running for the pistol, yell uh, like like true Texans never climb trees. Like can I, can I distract him with some psychological warfare? Listen, like you're right. This is this is your Superman. This is your Batman versus Superman. You need to yeah. figure out what this kryptonite is. <laughs> and exploit it. I have a feeling it's reason and common sense, but I, you know, I guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> Are those heterosexual frogs? What where? <laughs> we gotta protect uh, them. There's, there's only a few left. Let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Could probably just uh. throw some loose change at him. I'll scramble to pick it up because he is fucking broke. <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a real deep cut and he would scramble to pick it up because <laughs> Loose Change was, of course, the name of the horribly made, I don't know, 2008 bad documentary <laughs> about 9-11. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to like the, the famous, uh, I thought you were making a shaved orangutan joke that mm. he was Loose, the, uh, the orangutan from that Clint Eastwood movie years ago. <laughs> Because I never saw him as a chimp. I did see him more as an orangutan. I see. Like one of those like big uh, uh, male orangutans. I I could see him having sex with that female shaved orangutan prostitute we talked about a few years back. I don't know if I saw it would see him himself as the orangutan. (laughs) That's how he got. He's a were orangutan. He had unprotected (laughs) sex with the the chimp. (laughs) Oh, uh, if that's if that was how things work, you would be aware homeless guy. See, this is this is why conservative movies suck because like they they don't they don't like they don't embrace what's good about Hollywood. Like, yes, I want okay, Alex Jones, he's an anti-woke uh, <laughs> uh, superhero, but he got his powers by having sex with a radioactive uh, uh held hostage in Malaysia. No, he radioactive's was... been done. Like uh with a gonorrhea infested orangutan <laughs> and like the the, <laughs> the diseases are fighting each other in a weird way that causes a mutation. <laughs> and so, yeah, this 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 wear this wear orangutan goes out and solves wokeness, whatever that means. Uh, article number one: the whales have turned on us. I saw this. I've been seeing about this, and it's and it's terrifying because yeah, I'll let you get into it. Yeah. Well, we we've covered a few of these. We we covered this when it first started happening, actually, all the way back in 2020, and like we've kind of updated as things are going on. But it turns out, like, it looks like it's heating up. Like the the whale on boat violence that's been going on, uh, specifically off the coast of Gibraltar, but kind of just that entire Iberian Peninsula area of Spain and Portugal. Uh, like the fucking orcas are pissed, and they're not taking it anymore. Like they're tired of like Spaniards getting out of work and napping. Like yeah. in the ocean, 
Like, like you're scared away all the dolphins. You're scared away all the you fucking lazy Spaniards. Oh, see, I, get a job. I, it started happening off the the coast of Gibraltar, which is like a huge traffic port, obviously, because of all the boats coming in and out of the Mediterranean have to go through there, and it's a huge shipping lane. And there's some ideas that maybe there was some issues with boats or shipping, but I like your idea that they're actually just more of like like a 1960s father who's disgusted with the work ethic of their child. <laughs> like, hey, you lazy Spaniards. <laughs> yeah, he's, he gets all, you can smell the paella that puts him to sleep right on their boats. What if, what if, I mean, like, obviously I, I picture, you know, uh, it's a major shipping lane, like a, a yeah. Captain Planet villain, like yeah. dumping a, a ton of like, like acid, like, you know, xenomorph alien blood, mm-hmm. uh, like toxic waste all over like a, a, a an orca orphanage or something. And that's yeah. I mean, easily, that's something that could have caused it. I mean, we are um, talking about the Iberian Peninsula of Spain and Portugal, which is where a lot of, like, the drugs come through from, like, South America and stuff. So what if somebody, like, was getting raided by the police? They dumped a bunch of coke in there. It it happened just by chance to fall right down the blowhole of a very specific orca. And, like, they have been <laughs> jonesing ever since. <laughs> now, okay, Bobby, I that's the thing. When, when I heard about this article, I first assumed, like you did, that that is clearly what happened. 99%. <laughs> sure. Uh, 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 another, another, uh, cocaine uh, um, down the blowhole, uh, a casket, a whole casket full of cocaine, uh, <laughs> fucking landed, uh, in a, in a blowhole. It happens. It, this is America. This, or this is, this is, the, this is Gibraltar. Um, but I've been hearing that, uh, I read more about the article and it's, it's, it's a lot of whales. I mean, and we just, I'd have done the numbers. That many caskets aren't falling into that many blowholes in any given year. Yeah, unless somebody's got really good aim. Yeah, so they, the, this recent sinking of a boat, and this was a sinking, not just an attack. This one happened in May uh, of 2023, and that one just happened. They they sank a big boat right uh, right there off Gibraltar, but they have sank two other boats previously, one in July of 2022 and one of November of 2022, but they've been attacking a shitload of boats since then. It's not just the ones they sank. They've sank three of them, but these orcas, and there's they're all orcas, they actually belong to two distinct little small orca groups and these distinct and very noticeable orcas have attacked a ton of boats in fact there were like 50 boats attacked just in 2020 alone when it first started and 20 percent of those attacked are disabled only three of them have sunk but but they, they're doing a shitload of damage and we don't know why like this just suddenly started happening the first one was in may of 2020 of 2020 and so like this is a very recent phenomenon and they're very specific. It's not like they're just like randomly hitting it. They are ramming the boats too, but they purposely attack the rudder and destroy the rudder, which is why 20% of them are completely disabled after these attacks. Now, I, I guess my question is, first off, have they have they done the coup de grace? Like obviously they want to disable the boat, but are they yeah. is this like a peaceful protest? Are they just throwing rancid butter on these boats or, this, right. or is it, are they going for like like once the boat is sunk, yeah, are no, they ri- not... then ripping these people apart? No, they're they're leaving the people alone. They're not harming them in, you know, in some of the so they're not trying to like cause damage to the individual people. It seems to be the boats themselves. And like now we get into this question, which is is this something like, is this the John Wick of Orca stories where, where some boat came by and killed one Orca's baby and now they're going on like an Orca rampage and they're going after all these boats? Is this, 
frankly, a fad, which we know orcas and dolphins, they go through fads. We've talked about one on this show before. We're in the 1980s in one very specific spot in the Pacific Northwest. One group of orcas started wearing dead salmon as hats. Like they would wear them on their heads and they'd just like go around like, hey, check out this hat. And like wow. it only lasted for a little while, but like a bunch of them started doing it. Was, they're just like us where we're like, hey, check out this cool scarf, you know, like and then a bunch of people wear that scarf. Uh, but maybe it's with yeah, both. Most whales uh, will draw a Stussy S at some point <laughs> in their life. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's. <laughs> they were talking about how they were like biting at the hull of the boat, and it would be funny if they were carving the Stussy S into the side of the boat. <laughs> right, okay, Bobby. Now, there obviously are two scenarios here. One, mm-hmm. the whales are getting back at the, the perceived threat, which is the boats. And perhaps they're, they're, this is meant to be a warning. Sure. Uh, to the humans, or B, which is I think is more likely, is that they see another sentient prisoner held captive by this metal monstrosity. Oh, they're rescuing they us! When they break, the, they free the humans inside. <laughs> and like they've sat by, they've sat on the sidelines for too long, watching these 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 metal titans roam the seas with impunity. And they're like, "Listen, we're kings of the sea. Nobody fucks with us. We it is within our rights. We can emancipate these humans." So you're and saying so, that these these orca are literally they're the Greenpeace. They think they're saving the whales, but we're the whales. Yes, yes, we are the whales. (laughs) I had not considered that. I love that idea. You did, however, in your listing of options, you did forget one option, Damien, which is uh, Uh sometimes, Mr. Simpson, animals are just jerks. (laughs) I'm an animal. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a quote from the article. The attacks tended to come from two separate groups, a trio of juveniles occasionally joined by a fourth, and a mixed age group consisting of an adult female named White Gladys, two of her young offspring, and two of her sisters. And so these are known whales doing It's not like just some, like, hey, look, there are whales attacking us. It's like there are two groups. These two groups, as far as we know, are responsible for all the attacks. And these two groups are part of a larger group that lives in that area that isn't itself that big. It's only about 40 individual whales. So out of this bigger group of 40 individual whales, there are two subgroups that seem to be performing this attack. And out of those two subgroups, only one adult. So the out of all these things going on, there is like there is that one, I guess you would call them the cool parent that lets everybody lets all the kids drink at her house, and, and she's helping with the attacks. Uh, yes, I've, I've heard about this Gladys um, on, a, on another podcast. They were reporting on it, and um, they didn't cite the article. I think they were looking for more, too, but the article, the source they were using, they're reading it live on air, uh, said that it, it they, they believe this is the, caused by a traumatic event to a calf. It could have been. Oh, I mean, okay, but I mean, like for the uh, for them to put that, I mean, the, sure. yes, the, all that that would that would certainly be the motivation, provided that my Amistad type uh, scenario uh, <laughs> in the off chance that's not right. Sure, but but I was hoping that maybe you could tell me, like, like did did we find like the uh, the kid corpse, like uh, like the what turned him into uh, no. into the Punisher. No, and and there's a lot of fishing in that area, so it's like it's it totally could be an in- issue with fishing or something. But like also, we would have to say that this is a very unique event for it to have happened. I mean, we've been fishing around orcas for thousands of years. Uh, the one of the the authors of this particular article points out, like it can't just be that you piss off orcas and and do something to one of their kids and then they come after you because basically, again, if you go back to the Pacific Northwest during the 1960s and 70s, it was basically a capture every orca you can fest. Like we were just 
fucking horrible. Like every single baby orca you could find, you threw a net on it and grabbed it and sold it to SeaWorld for, for 20 grand. Like that was just widespread. And those orcas didn't start like smashing. Like there, there has to be something else going on for this to be a case. Is it the case of white Gladys, like teaching all these younger ones to do it? Is it a fad among the younger orcas going on and white Gladys just happens to be participating in it? Like we, we aren't, 100% sure of the origin, of the cause, of any of the In fact, we're totally in the dark as to, to why they're doing this and what has caused it, what has precipitated it. But as we talked about before on this show, orcas are incredibly intelligent and they learn and teach each other. So this was a really interesting thing we talked about, I don't know, maybe about eight years ago, that orcas in New Zealand had a very specific way of fishing for stingrays. If you think of a stingray, obviously, you know, you don't want to get stung by it, especially not in your nose and face where orcas are biting you. But stingrays are part heart, of the shark. R.I.P. Crocodile hunter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And But stingrays are part of the shark family, which is a very old family of fish, and their bodies are just stupid, and they don't work right. And so similar to sharks, if you flip a stingray upside down, it goes into this toxic shock and basically it can't move. And then you can eat it without getting stung. And orcas in New Zealand had had discovered this somehow. And they developed a technique where they would swim upside down, grab the fin of a stingray and then flip right side up, thereby making the stingray upside down. And the stingray would quickly become incapacitated and they could eat it easily. And they taught this to other orcas. And there's an idea that this is actually the origin of a modern practice of orcas hunting great white sharks where they do the almost the same thing. They flip the shark upside down and they eat its liver out while it's still fucking alive, which is fucking brutal. And, and then, and that's how they kill and hunt sharks, which they've been doing on the West coast of the United States now. And now we see it in South Africa as well. This is a new technique and we think it might be related to some orcas learning from the New Zealand orcas about stingrays or something like that. So, so orcas like, teach one another and they learn new tactics and new fads. They learn the salmon hat of the 1980s in the Pacific Northwest. Like orcas are very smart and social and they learn these things. So maybe this is a trend that might spread. And if it does spread to the rest of that 39 individual group, 40 individual group, and then beyond, like maybe it's war. Maybe, maybe it's us versus orcas from now on. They, they win. They got the oceans. What are you going to do? Eh, I feel like they're not going to win that one. I, I honestly feel like they're not going to win. Well, that's because we have we have our metal overlords, our metal mm-hmm. boat overlords to, <laughs> to, to keep us safe and to do all the planning and strategy. You and I are just mindless flesh slaves, Bobby. That's all true. hail our tug societies. <laughs> uh, My tug society. Uh, I don't have to get the t-shirt redone. It works. The joke works for several things. <laughs> I, I I have a little bit of concern that there might come a time when like they actually have to euthanize these animals because of this. You know, they might they might just be like, man, this is getting too dangerous. We got to take care of them, or it spreads to more orcas and they have to take out even more of them. Either way, I I hope I hope we can fix it. And because they learn and stuff like that, I I think one of the ways we should try it would be. Like a comical movie in the 80s, like the plot line of a comical movie in the 80s. Like we have three or four professors of marine biology dress up in a large orca costume. And these ones, they go out into the sea out off the Iberian Peninsula and they like, they, they. Wearing a sexy orca bikini. <laughs> <laughs> 
they go out and they're it's like those horse costumes you know where like one of them's the ass and like one of them's the front but there's three because orcas are big obviously and so uh so you got one guy running the three flippers people drowning in, in a convoluted <laughs> swim action <laughs> Well, I think I, I wonder if it would work or if it would be seen like that famous like Steve Buscemi pretending to be a teenager meme of like, hey, kids, what's going on today? Yeah. What if an orca is like, oh, it's three pilot whales in a trench coat again. Guess I'm just going to eat them. It didn't work last time. And we got all of our knowledge about orcas from just like human media. And so like our only way to impress them was to jump over a jetty with an 11 year old boy on it. Try extra points for not killing the boy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's uh it would be interesting if we had to come up with some kind of like orca education program and like a way to teach them like how to like, Okay, listen, listen, here's how we really do it. And and we use basic like Pavlovian conditioning. And so you dra- you get the three marine biologists, they're in the giant orca submarine outfit, uh, and they go up to the boat. And instead of ramming the boat or, or biting its rudder, they come up out, out front of it and they like go like, and then the people in the boat throw them fish. And then the orcas learn that instead of ramming the rudder, they just come up and they make weird dolphin-like noises, and we throw fish out, and now we've conditioned them to stop attacking the boats. That works, but as you've taught me on this podcast, is Mm -hmm. that um, orcas are really divided by their food source, and there are orcas that eat fish, and there are orcas Mm -hmm. that eat, like, seals. Sure. And and whales and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so if if, if they're not the type that eat fish, you have to carry Mm -hmm. a couple sea lions. You have to have a couple sea lions on board to chuck overboard. We could also go Ricky Ticky Tabby on this, and like I, now, now we know the great white shark won't work because they've discovered how to eat those. So we might have to get like a Mosasaurus or something like that. Megalodon. Yeah, Megalodon. Oh, let's get the Meg, and we'll 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 clone Megalodon, put that back in the water just to handle these like you know half a dozen out of place uh, orcas. Yeah, and and let's be honest, shipping lanes have been safe for way too long. Yes, I think we know we in the, in the olden times, you know, like uh, like a sea monster, quote unquote, would claim a, sh- a ship going to quote unquote the Orient. Yes, uh, but it really was probably just a storm or something. But now yes. with like weather, t- with like satellite technology, there's no, yeah. there's no like, there's no mystery, there's no like craziness, there's no crazy stories to at sea like there once were. Well, we're gonna, except we're for like sailing off, cool again, except for like off the coast of Somalia. But other than that, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, or like I, uh, I, uh, Ooh, got I got lost it. That just the... gave me a great idea. We we jump in the water with our orca costume. It's way bigger than the other other orcas. It's like a giant ass orca that the other orcas are scared of. And we go right up to the to White Gladys, and we go, "Look at me, I'm the orca now." Okay, well, White Gladys is no Tom Hanks, so we'll see. <laughs> She's already proven herself to have far more range. She's more like, um, I don't know, uh, who's a terrible act? More like a like an Andy Dick. She's like uh, just kind of a liability to have around. Oh, dear. But she does way more cocaine, as we've discussed. (laughs) That's just pound for pound Andy Dick beats her. But yes, White Gladys (laughs) does more cocaine. White Gladys does more cocaine, but Andy Dick, ironically, is more known for having a blowhole. Yeah, by the way, I've been watching like old episodes of News Radio, and I, like I want, like it holds up even with like like knowing the monster that Andy Dick is, and that he would help kill Phil Hartman, the star. 
I, I got to say, like, uh, he played a great dumb guy on that show. <laughs> so did Joe Rogan. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. On to article number two. How to cure HIV in humans and monkeys. A bad science. What? <laughs> so this is an interesting article. It covers the expansion of uh, something we have talked about, I don't know, two dozen times on this show. I think it's super interesting. The, the case of the Berlin patient who was the first ever human who was cured of HIV. This was back in 2009. Despite the name, it was actually an American who was getting treatment in Germany. But this is an amazing story of a guy who had... But I mean, the Cleveland patient didn't sound super cool. And then I yeah, remembered right. my grandmother on my mother's side was German. And I just thought that would be a cooler nickname. It was a guy who had what you would consider to be the the unluckiness, uh, but it turned out to be lucky for him, of having both HIV and a type of cancer that emanated from his bone marrow. And so they were going to give him a bone marrow transplant as a, a treatment for this cancer. And the clever doctor who was doing it just happened to look around and be like, well, this guy also has HIV. What if we did something like give him the bone marrow of somebody who is naturally immune to HIV? And yes, there are people, I think it's like some places, 10% of the population, who has a special CCR5 gene that codes for the CCR5 binding site on white blood cells, which is how HIV gets into our white blood cells and he's, some people just don't have that and so they're essentially immune to HIV and they, they've been exposed to it a dozen times they just they never get it they're immune to it so this clever doctor was like well we got to give him a bone marrow transplant anyway what if we look at the list and figure out somebody who's got you know this mutated CCR5 gene so that they can't get HIV and what if we give him that what happens and they did and what happened was he got rid of his HIV. He was the first person for that to have ever happened. It was amazing. And it's now been, you know, we're going on 14 I'm years now. I'm the luckiest man alive. <laughs> uh, we have recreated it in four other individuals since then. You might be listening to this. If you haven't heard us talk about this before, you might be listening to this and be like, wait, what the fuck? We cured HIV in 2009. And yes, we did. And you might be going, what? Why? Why is everybody? Not, why have we done it five times? And the answer is, it's an incredibly dangerous costly and uh, hard to do procedure you have to essentially completely take out somebody's immune system which is dangerous in and of itself replace it with a whole new immune system because again your immune system comes from your bone marrow it comes from the, the white blood cells come from there so you're basically taking one person's immune system and replacing it into somebody else that causes a huge problem of something called uh host first graft disease which is almost ubiquitous in people who get bone marrow transplants. It's a big deal. Bone marrow transplants are not something that are necessarily you're going to survive every time. It is, as we said, costly. You have to have the right bone marrow, the right amount. It has to match. All this stuff. It's not something you could just do, especially now that we have a ton of drugs that make HIV a very livable condition. It'd be one thing if this was 1995 and everybody who had this disease was going to die. It's another thing when, in fact... Most people who have it now in first world countries live relatively normal lives outside of a, a you know, a regimen of medicines and stuff. They live fairly normal lives. So having something that was a decent chance of killing you and having life lifelong problems and host for graft disease, that's not necessarily a reasonable thing to do in a medical procedure. But for certain people who have certain disorders that, that are require that, that transplant in the first place, then it is. So... Since then, like I said, four other people have undergone the same procedure successfully and, and have also beaten HIV. Researchers want to look at exactly how this process takes place. Monitoring human patients is not as easily that, easy that way. So they were working with uh, primates. In this case, they were working with macaques. 
And we've been doing this with macaques for a while to try and see how Working this with works. with a, sh- a shaved orangutan who kept <laughs> talking about... I thought I heard him talk about chemtrails. Is that... Is that something about alimony? Is that what he said? Oh, dear. But this paper outlines one of the first ever cases in which we were actually able to keep the primates alive. We were able to keep the macaques alive for any given long-term amount of time. It turns out it's really difficult because of all the post-op care, all that stuff. The same reason we can't regularly just do it to people is the same reason that it's very hard to keep the monkeys alive after we give it to them, too. So this particular paper outlines the following of a study of eight monkey subjects that had HIV, Four of them underwent a transplant with with stem cells, which is another way of saying a, a bone marrow transplant, from HIV-negative donors. And the other ones, the other half, served as the controls, so they did not get the transplant. Now, of the four of those monkeys that got the transplants, two were cured of HIV and two were not. Now, by the way, those two that were cured, they did still have to be treated for graft-first-host disease because, again, that's almost ubiquitous in these cases. So what we found was the difference between the two is that one of those groups, so remember, only out of the, the four who got the transplant, only two survived and got rid of their HIV. And the, what we found was those two particularly had that CCR5 expression that kept their white, new white blood cells from getting infected by HIV, where the other two were able to be infected by the HIV, or I think it was actually SIV, but uh, they were able to be infected by it. And so that's what ended up happening is, you know, they got the transplant and those transplanted cells also got infected. Whereas the ones that couldn't get infected, those were the ones, not surprisingly, that basically cleared HIV out of their system. And we looked at the process of how this happens step by step. And they saw that the first thing that happens is the donor stem cells basically went through the host's body and killed all the HIV infected cells. So that was the first step and part of the crucial thing. Now, during that process is when the ones that weren't immune to HIV also got infected and then everything went downhill from there. Now, the reason this is important is, one, they tracked kind of the progress of it and they saw that it they were able to first clear like the, the lymph nodes and the blood and stuff from the limbs and the extremities first of HIV and then eventually they were able to clear the lymphs and stuff of the abdomen. The reason that kind of stuff is important because it shows us a progression of the curing of the disease. So as we develop techniques in humans, we can see like, oh, are the lymph nodes in your arms and legs and stuff getting cured out? Okay, great. You're on progress. You're on track. Pretty soon that'll happen in the lymph nodes in your torso as well and give us kind of a guide map to how to go from being infected to no longer being infected. The other thing that that like kind of comes to mind is can we do this without a bone marrow transplant? Can we do this without a what you would call a stem cell transplant? Could you do this with some kind of genetic engineering? And that would be the future of it. That instead of ripping out your immune system, basically creating a bubble boy for a while, putting in somebody else's immune system, treating the graft first host, hope everything goes well. Instead of all of that, can we modify our own immune systems? Can we modify our own white blood cells and not express that CCR5 gene and that, that receptor? Because if we could, then theoretically anybody could clear their body of HIV. Anybody could go through this process without having to do all that stuff that's prohibitive of it. And yeah, I think there could be a world in which, you know, we use CRISPR, we use some kind of modern genetic engineering to change our own existing immune systems to not exhibit that particular binding site. And then all of a sudden, our regular old immune systems are able to clear out the HIV that is otherwise, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but like, when we were growing up, Damien, HIV was the scariest thing on earth because it was like 100% death sentence. It's like you... 
you were I don't know. Either... My mom scared me way more. <laughs> I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was in she, kid, I well, she knew. She threatened me with oh. a lot of HIV-infected needles, though. <laughs> to be fair, she would hold them up and say, if you don't do your homework. Yeah, she would... She, <laughs> She would uh, promote unsafe sex if I was bad. Like, that's right. I'm dropping you off at the house of prostitution. And you're going to come back with AIDS until you learned your lesson. Yeah. I mean, when we were growing up in the 90s, like, it was a deal. Like, nobody survived. It was Magic Johnson and then that's it. Like, that was the only one who survived HIV when we were growing up. And, like, now... There's a ton of people, you probably know a bunch of people without even know, realizing it, that have HIV and just live normal lives and will live normal lives until, you know, they're, they're, they're old enough and something bad happens or whatever. But, like, we we live in a world where this is not a death sentence anymore, but it certainly used to be. And it would be great to live in a world where it just went away. You know, the the I don't know what the – I don't remember what the death count is. I think it's well over 60 million. But, like, imagine that, that entire disease just – fucking going from the course that we know of, you know, coming out of the Congo in the 1920s and spreading through humanity across all the continents and and killing that 60 million plus people. Imagine us being able to like see its death throes as we figure out some genetic engineering thing that eradicates it from the bodies of the last living homo sapien that still has it. Yes, we've take that Ronald Reagan. We've one step closer to defeating AIDS, blah, blah, blah. That's great. But Bobby, I'm going to give our fans before we close out uh, uh, something that they I think they want. They would like a lot more. In fact, earlier I was ranting earlier about how conservative media like movies suck because that, you know, Mm -hmm. that like like we spitballed uh, an MCU character right here for them to start afresh. Bam. They they could beat DC. All right. But also we got to remember like we got, you got to remember, the liberals are indoctrinating kids too, so we got to think of something as well if we're going if we're going to get them. So all right, so you you got with that with research lab, you got me talking, all right? Now this is like a kids Dunstan checks in movie, all right? Uh-huh. But it's it's a it's an Alex Jones plays a plays an orangutan. I'm sorry, an orangutan plays Alex Jones, quote unquote. <laughs> okay, and uh, basically he teaches this kid who's like the 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 kid's son or something, or like like some sort of a, he teaches a class of like Miss Frizzles, mm-hmm. like like students uh, about the dangers of vaccines uh, and he also like uh uh they, he, he also like steals a, a big pot of chili that the head scientist brought in <laughs> to share at some chili con carnival but that's a b story that we don't have to we can flesh that out later mm-hmm. <laughs> but you but it is it is kind of why you wrote the movie though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's because, yeah, I mean, like, they're not going to throw out that thing of chili. When the movie's done, somebody's going to get it. I got I got <laughs> a lot of chili gags that I've been I've been working on for over a decade. <laughs> yeah, maybe we, maybe we do that thing where I spill the thing of chili on my head again. Maybe I got, we need another ten takes. I got one where I go, I want chili, but they keep bringing it to me cold because they're not interpreting. They think I want chili like the, the temperature. And then I got another one where I, I'm demanding chili. <laughs> And they take me to a South American country. And I'm like, no, no, you're not understanding me. (laughs) And I bit the face off some lady, but because it was recently discovered that I have a medical disability and that I'm, I'm actually a chimpanzee. And that, that like the the law just is not accustomed to handle. So I, I, I can just bite off faces now. One time they brought me a penguin with a hat on it. And I was like, no, that's chili willy that you are doing. You are not getting the right chili. So I bit his face off, and uh, here I am. Then I read, man, I, I really like his cartoons. <laughs> I, got, I, I gotta admit, I'm a little careful about telling you, you supposed comedians about that. I don't want you stealing a decade's worth of chili bits that I've been building up slowly but surely. 
<laughs> I'd say that I do ayahuasca, but I actually go to a small town in Borneo and fuck a monkey. So <laughs> that's my ayahuasca. That's my celebrity ayahuasca trip. Uh, thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Action 661, where you learned all about how the whales have turned on us and how we cure HIV in humans and monkeys. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 662. Well, that's the end of my legal troubles. I think I'm going to call that kids' movies The Adventures of Donkey Kong. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs>